Hi, and welcome to the All Things Credit Coffee Conversation podcast series, where we from Visma On Guard talk with different experts in the field of order to cash about trends and developments. Don't forget to grab your cup of coffee while listening. Good morning. Good morning also, Sue. We're very happy to have you in this uh, coffee conversation. We'll be uh, well discussing uh, uh, trends, uh, developments in the credit management order to cash area the coming next 30 minutes. So, um, But to start with, could you please uh, um, introduce yourself? Well, good morning, Florin. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. So I'm Sue Chappell. I'm the Chief Executive of the Chartered Institute of Credit Management. I am a dyed-in-the-wool credit manager by trade. Um, I've worked across many industries, uh, utilities, public sector, finance, banking, but always with credit management and credit teams. So that's me. Okay. Well, and as a leading figure in credit management industry, uh, what has stuck out uh, to you the most in the last seven months in regards to the industry uh, we know or we knew? <laughs> yeah. I, I think the I think the most the thing that stuck out the most is just how adaptable and resilient we are as an industry. Right from the very beginning in early March, our sector got going, uh, really collaborating, supporting each other, credit teams switched so quickly to home working barely missed a beat in doing it and and it had never really been a thing amongst credit teams before because it because it's very much a team environment um so yeah i think i think that how adaptable we are as an industry and that that hadn't really been tested in that way before yeah yeah i think that's uh, and that goes for a lot of industries and companies that has to, had to adapt really quick to pretty big yeah. changes, right? And yeah. I can imagine that that uh, um, at the current situation brings a lot of uncertainty in the market uh, in regards to the future of the organization, but also job security. Um, how do you feel uh, people and, and companies prepare for something like this, something they, they weren't able to foresee? Yeah. That's that's the $64,000 question, isn't it? And, <laughs> and and as I've already said, I think, you know, we know we now know if we didn't know before, we now know what an adaptable and resilient community we are. I think from a people perspective, being positive, staying positive is the number one requirement. Things will get better. I think stay on top of your professional knowledge. Look for opportunities in a period of change. Um, change always brings opportunity even though we we don't always see it and sometimes we feel it's all negative it isn't it isn't um it can be daunting uncertainty is daunting i think organizationally businesses will adapt and evolve and market demand will drive the way that evolves and that's that's always been the case since time immemorial but the overriding need for businesses and therefore for credit teams is to stay on top of the cash cash flow, maximize the cash, minimize the expenditure. That's always going to be the mantra. Yeah. So, so, but how exactly? I mean, because these are, uh, it, there's also a, a social um, side to it. So I can imagine that's quite a delicate balance between um, the, the um, 
social responsibility you have as a country, as a business, and and on the other hand, yeah, you have to keep your your business running, so you need the cash. So how do how do you? Yeah, it's it, it's an interesting handling and it's and it's the it's the age old back to basics of being a credit manager. Pe- paying is always good for everybody. Not paying is never good for anybody. So you know whether you're the recipient or the payer paying on time is always good because it keeps balance sheets accurate and it keeps businesses going and you know the reality is if you've got a customer in the long term that's not paying they're not a customer they're a debt on your ledger so you know we talked at the beginning about how well credit teams are collaborating and part of that collaboration is getting much closer to customers And we've seen a lot of that straight away. People have got on the phone to their customers. And one of the benefits in the early days of lockdown was there was, because everyone was at home, there was very little challenge of getting hold of your customers because everyone knew where everyone was because everyone was at home, right? (laughs) People were accessible. So I think some good relationships have been built between um, customers and businesses. I think conversations have been much more than they were before. And um, automation has has really helped that because automation has had to come right to the fore and help organisations to identify who it is they need to speak to and when. So people are managing their ledgers in a different way to make sure that customers have what they need in order to pay, making sure that you understand the customer's market as well as your market, because understanding the ripples that go out from your customer is one of the things that's going to impact your cash flow. So those conversations are really important. And then what we're seeing is organisations putting in place the required measures to manage that. So clearly, if it's a if it's a short, medium, long term difficulty that the client's got, then the organisation can make decisions based around that. Understanding and knowing is, is the first step. Yeah. Yeah, well, that kind of is in line with we we conducted a research in the UK amongst the finance professionals and credit professionals, and we found that sixty percent, sixty six percent of the respondents uh, said that they wor- work more efficiently since the pandemic uh, in March this year started. Uh, that so that's something you must recognize based on your answers. Yeah, well, I. I recognise the the research that's being bandied about quite openly by the media and and I hear organisations saying these words, Uh, but I'm I'm a little bit sceptical of some of this because equally we're hearing organisations say under the circumstances, getting everyone out of the office and working from home to an unknown location because people do, you know, organizations don't know where their staff are they might have the address written but they don't know what those facilities are yeah it worked better getting people into that environment worked better than i think most of us anticipated it would because we'd never done it before and you've got you know all sorts of situations but there's been nothing to compare it with so saying it's more efficient than it was before i think is slightly spurious because we didn't do this before um i think one of the things that um hasn't yet been measured and I think without doubt will be a challenge moving forward is all the the softer stuff so you can do the factual stuff very easily from home people can 
get Zoom or Teams or whatever it is on their laptops and you can talk to people and you can do the you can do the kind of technical stuff. What you can't do is the <clears throat> is the slightly more soft people stuff. So as so as a manager and a leader, when you're in an office with people, you can see if they're okay. You can yeah. see who your top performers are. You can see what the interaction and the mood of the organization is. You can't do any of that online. No. So I no, yeah. I'm yeah, a bit skeptical about this kind of yeah. it's been more efficient, but yeah. we'll see. Yeah, I can imagine that in the beginning, people felt it really was. I mean, there's less distraction. They can uh, do their work. Uh, and, and I think there were also researchers stating that uh, you could do your normal eight-hour work in six hours while yeah. working from home. But the two hours of social engagement and just uh, talking to somebody at the uh, coffee machine or whatever and just gaining information, talking to people outside of your own department. That's the whole part we're missing out on, right? And I, yeah. and I, I do agree with you that that might have a, a long-term effect that it's um, not as good or positive for businesses. It's very, very difficult for managers and leaders to manage those sort of teams. It's a different skill set that we've not had to have before. So yeah. that's a, yeah. Still, in terms still of still out on that for me. Before you mentioned that uh, these kind of changing uh, circumstances always bring some opportunities. What are the opportunities that you can see now already starting to take place? So I think that there's, there's a few. I think there's, um, you, you will see very quickly who steps up to the plate and that will be amongst your client base amongst your suppliers and amongst the team so that's that's a real opportunity to see you know which suppliers do you want to continue to work with which of your customers are more challenging so there's that there's the whole technical piece that for a lot of organizations you, you you're hearing things like you know two three five-year plans executed in two months six months three months decisions got through boards to to do stuff that hadn't been done before and i think organizations properly using the technology that they already had in a way that they probably hadn't had to before so i think um you know automation in the credit management process has been around for a long time and there's been a lot of capability in the software that organizations haven't really used because they haven't really needed to um, yeah. So I think that's a real benefit as well. And I think one of the one of the other positives is around people. People are taking a good hard look at what it is they do, how they do it, how they want to do it and where and which organisations they want to do it for. So, in the, you know, people working for organisations are looking at their employer and thinking, how have, how have they dealt with this? Um, yeah. And it's not just about the working from home thing. I think that's all that's all become a bit of a catch all because, um, you know, people talk about the work life balance when in a lot of cases what they actually mean is life work balance. Yes, please. I very much like you to pay me for a full time week whilst I spend 50 percent of the week doing my own things. Thanks very much. Not <laughs> quite the same thing. But I think it's, you know, has the employer stepped up? Are our organisations making decisions when they need to make decisions and not standing on the fence? Are are our organizations letting people go back to the office if that's what's important for the staff and keeping them keep keeping them safe and and all of those things are they providing the right equipment are they all of those things 
and of course there's attrition in the market so there's people moving around jobs so there are there are job opportunities and funnily enough the employment market is quite buoyant because people, oh, really? are, people are on the move and I think that's a split you know obviously some sectors are really struggling yeah. hospitality sector obviously some yeah. parts of retail obviously but the areas that are working well, recruitment is is out there and 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 going on. So I think yeah, th there's lots to be positive about. Yeah, yeah, I think we that's in the Netherlands as well. That uh, obviously a couple of sectors having hard times, but others are really doing well, or at least there are a lot of job openings. Yeah. So in terms you briefly touched upon eh, automation, digital transformation, uh, AI, machine learning, it, they have all been kind of buzzwords uh, in the industry for quite a while. Actually, we we uh, we did another research on the adoption of uh, technology where uh, surprisingly most um, uh, or only 30% of the professionals said they already use a kind of um assistance or um software to support their processes and they were looking into starting using it within one two but 40 percent stated over three years and mm. i thought that was well um i was pretty surprised by that since it's and the, the the techniques are available already and it's not uh so why would it take this long to adopt these kind of uh, um, tooling to help oh. help you uh, um, make your processes more efficient? And uh, uh, what's your take on this? And how do you think uh, Corona has impacted that? Well, I think I think one of the challenges with technology in the credit management industry is that the credit teams are parts of organisation that are doing something else. So the main business of the company is something else, making something, mm -hmm. selling something, creating something. And that tends to be where the investment tech is in the in the core business. And and I think organizations are slower to the party when credit teams are doing a good job, as credit teams will. And you know, we're in the credit industry, we are the past masters of the Excel spreadsheet. I mean, you will you will find the mm -hmm most well-loved, beautifully sorted, long-lived Excel spreadsheets in the credit industry that you'll find anywhere. And, you know, we do a good job of demonstrating that they're efficient. So you've got the two, you've got the two sides of the argument. You've got a company that's main thing is something else, being convinced to spend some money on something that they see is efficient because it we demonstrate efficiency. Of course, where it falls apart is if you lose anything in that spreadsheet or if you get new people in, it's not consistent, things aren't joined up. So I think that's always a challenge in our industry. I think the other challenge is that um, there's there's a perception that the cost and the compatibility are risks for organisations, because one of the things that you'll also find, particularly in the UK, but I doubt whether it's limited to the UK, is organisations have lots of different systems and the credit teams run across all of them. you need to get information from AR, from AP, from finance, from sales yeah. and all of that. And that can be a challenge. And I think sometimes a lack of understanding and a perceived view that this is all going to be really expensive and take too long and spoil what we've already got. So I, I think there's a lot about education, demonstrating education. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, it's an yeah because that's what we see as well. And especially at uh, the integration of the different systems where the data is shared in terms of maybe uh, if there, uh, a customer is non-paying for a long time, then you might want the orders to stop. Uh, yeah. Or you want to at least make sure that your CRM system yeah. also has that information for the account manager yeah. to, to be aware of it at least. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that I think maybe uh, brings me to my next question. It's uh, at, um, accounts payable, procurement are usually all seen as strategic issues within companies. Um, and at, especially given this uncertain times, uh, accounts receivable yeah, should be higher on the agenda, I think. So what's your, your take on that? And, and how would you suggest uh, order to cash managers or uh, to accomplish this? Well, I, it's an interesting one. And I, I've always been of the view that credit management is the whole process. So credit management is from the time a contract is signed, well, in fact, pre-contract, managing the risk right the way yeah. through until a customer is fully paid up and no longer a customer. That's the whole process. So I, I see AR and AP as two ends of the same the same thing. So I absolutely agree. I think procurement is slightly different. Over the last five, 10 years, procurement has become a strategic cost-saving part of most businesses. And most procurement teams' priority KPI will be about a percentage cost reduction each year. So that's a slightly, slightly different thing than the ARAP. I think um, communication within the organisation is the, is the biggest thing to getting your you up the agenda in boardrooms. I think don't be shy with stakeholders, share the benefit, talk about managing the biggest asset that the organisation has, which is their cash. It, it is the key thing. And, you know, just get out there and talk to the other stakeholders, get that communication. And I think that has changed significantly over the last five years. It's not many organisations now that still view the credit management teams as the backroom boys. They're, they're pivotal in sales, in in collecting payments, in billing, in all of those things. So I think it is changing. It's a it's a journey, as we like to say, but it's a <laughs> I think it I think it has started. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in terms of a journey, something we recognize and uh hear from our customers and uh uh people in the industry is that at a customer journey and customer experience is becoming more and more important as well. And, and we all know it's uh, cheaper to keep a, an existing customer yeah. than to um, uh, get a new one in. So, uh, and where maybe the uh, cr credit or collections department used to be, well, not that much involved in the customer yeah. journey. They are a, a very important yeah. part of the journey where they can make a, a very bad or a very good impression yeah. in maintaining a customer. Yeah. How do you see this impacting the way we approach um, collections? Yeah, I think that's a fascinating one because for, for most organizations, many organizations, the only touch points they will have is at the point of the contract and at the point of non-payment. Because if they do everything as they yeah. should, there would be no reason to ever be in contact with anyone. So, you know, the, the collections teams, the credit management teams ha have that real opportunity to turn what we used to call in the olden days, terrorists into activists. It's the 
is how you sort stuff out is what is what pegs you out as a good company not how stuff just gets done because we're indifferent to that as a, as a customer we're indifferent if everything goes as it should it's fine it's when there's a touch point so i think the what's happened over the over the last six or seven months in what i'm lovingly calling the nonsense period has been that um there's been more conversation and dialogue because there's had to be because we've had nothing else to do <laughs> that's the only thing that people <laughs> do is talk to each other so much more conversation between customers and organizations much more conversation between teams um, most organizations set up very regular team conversations um, to, to try and compensate for that oh Bob, have you done this that you know that you used to do at the coffee machine that you can't do now so I think that has been the biggest benefit is that is the the talking to customers understanding customers and of course customers have had an incentive from the beginning because they they want to make sure they still get what they need and they want to get the support as we go through this process in the same way so it's worked it's just to be hoped as things start to settle down a bit um, and and normality is gradually juddering back into into the world. Yeah. Stop, start, stop, start. But it but it sort of is. And people are more distracted now. So you know people are starting to go back to meetings. Some people are in the office. So everybody isn't just sat in front of their computer all day now. That starts to be challenging. So we have to find ways to maintain that increased conversation that we had before. Yeah. Yeah, how do we hold on to that? So how do we take the good things out of this period, this period, mm. and and make sure that we that they don't move to the background yes. again yeah. once we uh, move into the new normal? Yeah. And uh, yeah. So, what's your tip there? So I think it's I think it's definitely about you know I keep saying this phrase over and over again. It's about knowing your customer. It's it, and we've needed to know our customers through this phase in a way that we've never needed to know them before. And so we know that now. We know which of those customers. And as things get busier, because we, 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 we've had this, it's been such a funny old hiatus of a time. In some ways, we've had more time and in some ways, we've had less time. It's been a really strange contradiction. But now as things sort of pick back up, generally people have got less time again because life is kicking back up. So it's not just about being sat in the house and not doing anything else. So I think it's who are the customers that you need to speak to and how do you identify which ones you need to speak to? How did you do it in the nonsense? How are you going to sustain that? And it's automation is going to be one of the ways that that is done. How do you set your systems up to tell you who you need to speak to and when yeah. you need to speak to them, which ones are going to benefit from being spoken to earlier? And how do you identify that? The, the automation won't do the conversation and it won't tell you what to say, but it will flag with a set of rules. Who is it you need to speak to? And I think that's that's the way we've got to go. Yeah. Oh. OK, is that uh, because this is on the short term when hopefully on a <laughs> on a short notice we will <laughs> We'll be back at the new normal, but uh, um, in in the long run, if you um, what do you think uh, would be the biggest challenge for finance professionals over the in the coming years? So I think the the cash flow and the ability to flex in times of difficulty will always be the challenges. They always have been, um, 
staying close to customers, being aware of changing circumstances and being able to react quickly to them, anticipate where you can, but react quickly and, and you know, put the customer at the heart of everything you do. It's not new. It's not, this isn't rocket science. It never, it never is rocket science. No. Good credit managers do the right thing for the right customer at the right time. That is always the case. It's how you identify who's the right yeah. customer, what's the right thing and what's the right time. There the magic lies. Yeah. Well, which obviously, and now that there's much more data available about your customer, there are many more ways to yeah. figure that out and determine mm. who should be in which bucket and uh, who should be approached in a certain ways. I think and there, there are so many gold we're sitting on in terms of yes. the data if only as systems are connected in the right way yeah. and we use that data that is stuck somewhere in all yeah. these kind of different kind of silos that are not connected uh, most yeah. of the times because they're old or they are well yeah and and i think in some cases you know there's a little bit of fear of all the data uh, there's too much data and how do you use it and i think you know going back to your point about the customer journey where that works well is in organizations where the customer journey is mapped out with all the touch points of the organization all the various teams that's when you realize how much data you've got and yeah. how you can piece it all together so i think that's a that's definitely something for organizations to look at is mapping that customer journey right the way from pre-sale to lost yeah. customer all the way through the whole all of the steps that's yeah. a, that's a job worth doing yeah and it's sometimes also just starting somewhere right yeah. start small yeah. and build from there instead yeah. of trying to do it all at once yeah. because it, it is a lot of data and it is a lot yeah. of different angles and take but just the trial and error method might uh, yeah have yeah. A, good, a good start yeah. just yeah. start somewhere all right um given the time it's uh um i have one more uh, question for you and that's the the question i always ask all of the guests uh, in this uh, coffee conversation and that's what's your golden tip for those listening stay positive we'll get better <laughs> Awesome. Great. Sue, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been lovely to see you and I look forward to doing it in person again when yeah. we properly can. And me too as well. Uh, uh, if we are able to travel uh, <laughs> again well, anywhere you, soon. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. And uh, for those uh, uh, joining, if you would like to uh, learn more about uh, uh, Sue and what she's doing at the uh, CICM, we uh, will be sending you an email afterwards uh, and can bring you into contact with Sue. Uh, and if you would like to know more about our coffee conversations, because there are a lot more coming up over the uh, coming couple of weeks, uh, check out our website, ongard.com uh, slash events. Thanks for joining and hope to see you next time. Thanks, Sue. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the All Things Credit Coffee Conversation Series podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. In case you have any questions regarding this podcast for our guest speakers or for us, please reach out to us via LinkedIn or send us an email to info at 
There are many more interesting episodes for you. Check out Spotify or wismaungard.com slash events. We hope to see you soon.